Welcome to Central Pennsylvania Voices. I'm your host, Joan Abistinsky, and today I'm honored to be joined by Senator John DeSanto. Welcome to Holy Family Radio. Thanks for having me, Joe. Appreciate it. Well, I like to start these uh, these short interviews that we do. With ask, I ask our uh, guests if they can just give us a little bit of their background. So... Go ahead, tell our listeners. Well, I'm a lifelong resident of central Pennsylvania. I went to school at American University in D.C. and then came back and uh, joined uh, the family construction business, which was a small business. And then some years later, you know, my brother and I bought the business from my father and uh, built that into a multi-state real estate development and management company. It was a very successful uh became very active in the uh, market and so on. So over a period of time, um, you know, I decided to, um, you know, leave the business because I built my first house when I was 15 years old, if you can imagine wow. that. So m- myself and a bunch of my buddies were 15 years old. My mom drove us to the job site. Of course, my dad overlooked what mm-hmm. we were doing, but we built and sold my first house when I was 15. I started paying income taxes when I was 16. So uh, over those 35 years, up until I decided to sell the business, um, you know, I became uh, disillusioned with how government had grown and so on. And so I left the business, not really deciding to be involved in politics, but shortly thereafter, people contacted me and uh, said, you ought to run for the Senate. And I said, are you crazy? Because we have sued the federal government, state government, and local government mm-hmm. protecting our private property rights over the years. And long story short, I decided to run. My wife was against it, but then came to support me and announced that a Democratic incumbent six years ago and fought off a Another challenge two years ago, and here I am. Amazing. What a great story. Tell us a little bit about your family, if you don't mind. Well, I'm married to my wife, Maria, and we have two kids, uh, Alessandro and Bianca. And I know you know who Alessandro is. He's one of the co-founders of the Hallow app, and you had him on here. Yes. And, uh, he was just on EWTN last week. I don't know if mm-hmm. you saw that. And uh, he, that, that's going well. Our uh, daughter, Bianca, uh, she graduated from Georgetown University and went to Manhattan, worked for L'Oreal, the cosmetic company, for a number of years. And now she's at Booth, uh, University of Chicago Booth School of Management, getting an MBA. So that's the story. Well, do a little commercial for the Hallow app, because our listeners may not know about yeah, it. I mean, the Hallow app is phenomenal, and, and I use it my Myself, just I do n- not because my my son was one of the developers because you know we'll get into this a little bit more but I am uh, very much a big picture guy uh, the good Lord did not give me patience when he was doling me out I think fast I act quick I have a hard time with contemplative prayer and I find that it's not because I don't believe it's just my mind works in a different way and the Hallow app has been very good for me on a daily basis, engaging me, the best way to engage me. And there's many different ways the app can work. So I'd encourage all your listeners to check that out. Yeah, I've been using it for a year, and it is so deep. There's more and more things being added all all the time. And I like the fact that there's uh, daily reminder things where you set uh, something to remind, it, right. to remind you, and then it reminds you to do it, like the Daily Saints I do. on those It was funny. I, I went to confession last year just before Easter, and I was talking to the good priest, and he asked me if I'm praying. And I, I'm like, I'm praying too much. And he looked at me and goes, <laughs> what do you mean? Well, I was doing Bible in the year and the Advent prayer mm-hmm. challenge and going to church. Mm-hmm. It's, it, yeah, it's, that was kind of funny. You really can't pray too much. Yeah, currently I'm doing the Catechism in a year, which so is going to have yeah. happen. Uh, 
wow, it's fantastic. I mean, I've, re- I've read the catechism in the past, yeah, but having uh, Father Smith's go through and kind of explain each one of those segments just makes it... Yeah, I, in fact, read the catechism about 10, 11 years ago, you know, when I was trying to rebuild my connection with the faith. And uh, it's amazing going through uh, on the app now and slowing down and having somebody talking back to you as opposed to just reading it. I'm getting a lot, a lot more out of it. So. Yeah, and, that's, and that is another value that the Hello app has. Absolutely, so. yeah. Um, just really, really an amazing thing. So, again, congratulations. You must be a proud proud dad. Uh, yeah, thank you. So yeah. uh, it works out well, and it's amazing wherever I go, more and more people are hearing about it. It's great. Uh, I'll get together with people at conferences that I only see a few times a year, and I was at one a few years ago, and we got some of my friends that I only see a few times a year, we got together for dinner, and we sat there, we talked for four hours, and we realized at the end, all we did was brag about our kids. Right. Yeah. It's good to be able to do that. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yes. So uh, my next question for you is, I mean, you're super motivated. For somebody who's 15 to be building a house, what motivates you? Well, you know, I've been very fortunate in, in the fact that I was brought up in an entrepreneurial household. And my dad was always moving. My mom was very educated and refined and balanced this off with uh, uh, my father, who was very driven and about building business and becoming successful in life. So I just learned early on that, you know, you have to work, you have to show up and there's no other option. And, you know, the harder you work, the more rewards you get. And the rewards are not always financial. Um, So uh, my motivation is just to keep moving the ball down the field and, and trying to improve everything that I'm associated with. And I've just carried that in, you know, from my personal life, getting through college and then, you know, the business life and so on into politics now. And it sounds like you're bringing that to the next generation with your children. So it's yes, like and I have to credit junior. my wife Maria uh, quite a bit. She immigrated to this country uh, a number of years ago when she was twelve or thirteen, and you know didn't speak the language. Came to a different country, and her family, you know, the American dream, lift themselves up by the bootstraps in the restaurant business, and uh, she had no patience for poor performance in school, and the <laughs> kids were going to learn the manners, and I was going to stay in line and. Everybody lived happily ever after. Sounds like a good combination. <laughs> yes. You, you know, it, everything, it sounds like, you know, you're familiar with success. How do you define success? Well, you know, success is a, a different thing to everybody. And, you know, I know a lot of people and success to me means just being productive and happy where you are in life but also realizing that you can't stand still in whatever you're doing and you need to keep moving forward to keep healthy engagement and and be excited about what you're doing. That's how I define success. And knock on wood, you know, financially with the business, you know, I attained, uh, you know, financial success. But that's not the end game. I remember I was up at the U.S. Army War College uh, speaking with a lot of the international colonels that come over to get a master's in strategic study. And the one colonel said to me, uh, you know, I don't understand it with you business guys. You know, when's it enough? What what makes it enough? And I said, it's not like that at all. To me, it's, uh, you know, when I plant a fruit tree in my garden and I'm a you know prolific gardener, 
you know, you tend that tree and the tree grows and it produces more. And as long as you take care of it, you know, you get more produce. And then the obligation to me within success is to take that excess produce and put it back into the community. So success to me is I've never achieved it. I'm always stretching for it. And hmm. uh, I just keep grinding, grinding ahead. And now that you're in politics, how does that how does that relate to your to politi- I don't want to get into politics per se, but. How do you feel you're getting success there? Because I know it's a different kind of a thing. It's a completely different world. And uh, being somebody that's entrepreneurial and, you know, developing a plan, executing the plan, evaluating the plan when the plan doesn't work right, you know, make changes to correct the plan. You know, politics is not like that at all. And it's very hard to get things done in politics. You have to be there a long time. You have to develop relationships. You have to get seniority. So I've really focused on trying to stop bad things from happening. That doesn't mean I haven't been successful in getting some things done like pension reform and some new testing for newborn infants on the required panels. And Mm -hmm. we've done a number of good things, but I really focus on trying to stop bad things from happening because the fact of the matter is every time a law is passed by the legislature, somebody loses some type of freedom. And if you're a murderer, I'm fine with that. (laughs) But if you're, you know, another layer of regulation on business or another uh, guideline you have to follow that doesn't produce any result for the end consumer, I just try to stop that stuff. How does your Catholic faith intersect with that? Well, you know, being a faith-filled person, um, and in today's, you know, culture where we're at, and you can just see what happened on the Grammys last week, Mm -hmm. um, it's just, it's a different world. And, you know, before you used to be able to walk down their street and have the confidence that the person passing you had no harm or ill will against you, and and we've sort of lost that. So I am very... strong and in, in the trying to keep the faith centered when you look at the capitol building the whole history of that building is based on faith and natural law and i try to bring that to today's laws that we do you know everybody should be heard everybody should be respected but at the same time you know our society has been structured in, in a faith-filled way and personal responsibility and we're losing that and i try to bring that uh to the forefront whenever I can. What? How would you describe the environment there? Do you get a lot of pushback, or is it is it easy to do that, or how does that well, work? Well, you know, unfortunately, uh, we have the same issues at the state capitol as we do uh, in the national capitol. There's a certain amount of my colleagues that are very confrontational, very much involved with uh, uh, policies that I don't think are right for the country, and uh, they're very vocal about that there are a number of legislators down there that do support you know personal responsibility less government and Mm. you know we try to work together and find common ground but with the advent of social media it's very difficult to try to talk to your colleagues in a way that's productive yeah you and i are around the same age and i think that we remember a time when you could have a, a a conversation that was they didn't involve yelling and name-calling, and it seems to me that our whole society... Well, keep in mind, I've been a senator for six years, and when I came in there, we had 34 Republican seats, and in the last six years, 19 of those members are no longer there because they retired or were defeated or whatever, mm-hmm. so there, there's a lot of turnover, but the turnover is especially concerning to me is 
a lot of those old timers that knew everybody across all that would go out to dinner. Mm -hmm. They're not there anymore. And in fact, when I first came in, a Democratic senator invited me to dinner with a mix of Democratic and Republican Mm -hmm. senators. And we had a nice time. We tried to stay away from politics. We're just sort of trying to get to know each other. And I've not had that experience since, which is a shame and and a real threat to democracy. Yeah, I think that's going to be a breakdown. Yeah. 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 I I don't know how. And and what happens there, I mean, I think it's a reflection of what's happening in our society overall. You know what I mean? And I think that's something that, you know, we all should be concerned about. Absolutely. And we need to learn to talk to each other. I think that's something we're we're forgetting about. Tone down the volume and say, hey, we can have different ideas, but that doesn't mean we hate each other or the other one's evil or right and try to find a compromise. That's what the country's done the last hundred years. My enemy, the clock, is telling me we've got to take a quick right. break. So we're going to take a quick break. With uh, We're speaking with Senator John DeSanto. We'll be right back after these messages. Central Pennsylvania Voices. I'm your host, Joan Ebistinsky, and I am joined by Senator John DeSanto. Thank you for staying with us, John. Absolutely. Having a good time. Uh, my next question to you is, uh, a lot of people face hurdles in their life, and I'm always interested to know how they overcome them. Have you only faced any hurdles? Yeah, my one of my, I have a number of hurdles, as we all do, yeah. but I, I mentioned a little earlier, uh, you know, impatience is one of my biggest hurdles, and I, and I work uh, hard to overcome that, um, and that's a constant lifelong hurdle. But another hurdle that uh, really overcoming is, you know, the world has changed in the last 60 years, and it's a different world, and trying to make that step into the more modern world and be able to communicate, you know, my plans, my goals, uh, what I want to achieve, you know, to younger people that have a totally different outlook is a real hurdle. When you think about kids that have uh, been born after 9-11, they've seen a country that's at war, at turmoil, and, you know, radically changing social structures. And, and they it's hard for them to identify with people of our age mm-hmm. how America was and the beacon of hope and the Cold War and all that because they've never yeah. experienced. So that's a real hurdle that I'm constantly trying to do. And, you know, to blend my faith into that is part of the message as well. Yeah, the pro-life movement also is affected by that that generation change also. Um, you know, we, we grew up, you know, you know, always on the other side of that of the of the pro abortion issue. Right. And and now I think our young people are confused by this whole that whole issue. You know? Yeah, it's unfortunate. Uh you know, I really don't think that the pro life movement was ready for the overturning of Road versus Wade and, and the anti life movement uh has really done a much better job communicating their position, and you see that on the national level where some of these constitutional amendments in conservative states have failed miserably because the pro-life movement really hasn't gotten their act together. Now, we're getting there because we're about inclusion, inclusion, providing options for people, not just control. It's not, to me, about just denying other people's rights. Yeah, and I think the pro-life movement is has to do a better job of educating because I think a lot of people on the street, Catholics are confused about what that, what the decision meant. Cause a lot of people think that, okay, it's done now. Uh, we don't have to worry about that issue anymore. 
Yeah, well, the one thing I found out in politics is you're never done with anything. Mm -hmm. And uh, you always have to be vigilant. You have to keep working. You have to keep the pressure up. And, you know, when you talk about, you know, trying to bring this more back to a Catholic, even with Pope Francis, you know, he's introduced a lot of confusion within the faith. And that's something that we're constantly working. And then you layer that on top of what I'm trying to achieve in politics and trying to keep, you know, faith alongside policy. It's mm-hmm. not out in front. It doesn't control. Those are all issues that really require a lot of work, never stops. Yeah, I know we work closely with the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation. I know they work, they're doing their best in, in uh, Harrisburg, but it's a hard fight to battle right now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you look at the way the media portrays everything, you know, the Pennsylvania Right to uh, Life March, you know, there was literally thousands of people there, we you know, there. all over yep. the steps of the Capitol. And then the anti-life march was two or three weeks later. There's like 30, 40 people there, but they got more press coverage yes, than exactly. the pro-life. So. Yeah, they always, I, I always like when they say, uh, when they describe our march, you know, a few people showed up. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, there, were, there were a lot of yeah. people there as yeah. last year. Uh, it was, it was again, a, an amazing event, but it's too bad that we have to have those. Absolutely. You know, it's just a yeah. shame not to have it. Going on, we've all faced major decisions in our lives that have resulted in us choosing to take a right turn or a left turn. Have you had any of those situations in your life? Oh, yeah. Um, You know, I decided, you know, 35 years ago, I was a pretty rowdy individual. I came up in an entrepreneurial household. I had a lot of, you know, responsibility put on me at an early age, which I handled well from the business aspect. But, you know, on the personal aspect, when you're young and you have some money, not experience, you tend to, you know, make some dumb decisions. And, you know, thankfully, none of those dumb decisions I made were, uh, have followed me through life or life altering in the sense. But, you know, I decided over 30 years ago uh, when our business was growing, you know, I, I stopped drinking and just got out of that whole fast life and uh, ended up, you know, meeting my wife, Maria, who's been a tremendous influence. But, you know, taking that first step and saying, you know, I'm not going to continue to live my life influenced by others. You know, I want to achieve things and uh, making that step was a huge uh, turn because I mm-hmm. could have turned the other way and who knows where you'd be at. And then, you know, at the same time, I fell away from the faith. You know, I was brought up Catholic, mm-hmm. baptized. You know, uh, I didn't go to Catholic school, but we went to Sunday school. And just in those times, the 60s, early 70s, you know, things were changing. But after I hit my 30s and, you know, ended up getting married, reconnecting with the faith, and that, that's been a, a big turn in my life. I could have turned away from the faith and just said, hey, I'm the smartest guy and I'm doing all this on my own. And uh, But I did not choose that path. So uh, those have been big turning points in my life. Well, you're anticipating my next question. It was going to be, tell us about your faith journey. Well, as I said, you know, I, I left the faith. I never not believed, but I didn't really practice. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, as I referred to, I mean, some of your more age-challenged listeners uh, may remember the 60s and 70s. It was just a, a different time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, coming back and having kids and saying that, you know, I want our kids along with my wife, Marie, who was very instrumental. Uh, the kids brought up, right? I want them to have solid values. Like I was brought up, you know, I'll make my own decisions when I get to adulthood. But going with the kids through Catholic school, uh, really started teaching me the faith over again because I was working with mm-hmm. homework at that basic level and starting to connect dots for that, you know, I'd heard years and years mm-hmm. ago. And then, 
you know, uh, joining a couple organizations, Legatus, going to a couple of men's conferences and things like that, all built on my faith. And now our, our faith is, um, and I say ours because I refer to my wife and myself, you know, our everyday life is really driven around the church calendar in a sense that, you know, we celebrate the holy days and our, our like Christmas, Easter, you know, all those things are very important to us. And it's been a lot of people think, you know, accepting religion is very constraining and actually it's, it's very liberating. And, uh, so that's a very short version yeah. of a very long story with a lot of potholes there. I abbreviated oh, that. It, it sounds like you have a similar story to me in that, uh, I went through CCD in the 1960s, 70s right. and CCD wasn't that good at the time. So no. I was, a, I'm a cradle Catholic, but my faith was, I didn't have an understanding really what our faith was. And then, uh, my wife, when she converted, uh, she was not Catholic. She converted. Right. I did the instruction with her, and it opened up a whole new world for me to, as far as understanding what our faith actually believes. Yeah, absolutely. When I went through CCD at the same time, it was mostly social issues. I really mm-hmm. never learned anything about the faith. And uh, that, I think, was the real uh, crux of my problem, other than, yeah. you know, as well as being at that age and rebelling and so on. I was talking about how our, our CCD book had picture of children in a field chasing butterflies. That was the cover right. of our book. It's like, <laughs> it's like, oh my God. Yeah, to keep in mind the Vietnam War was raging at that time mm-hmm. and, you know, just all the social upheaval. And we spent a lot of time talking about that, but we're beyond that now. So, Thankfully. What lessons have you learned in your career and your faith experience? Well, you know, I've learned on the faith side to try to you know, practice my faith in my actions. You know, your words, you know, people forget what they, what you say, but they remember how you made them feel. And I always try to conduct myself in the public persona in the way that uh, supports my faith and in those actions. I'm not always as successful in private, but as I've said, my wife Maria is very good about tuning up the private side. Um and it's the same way with business. It's, you know, you treat people with respect, you listen to people, you compromise, and, you know, try to do everything that you can to help the most people. Every decision is never universal. You know, somebody's mm-hmm. going to be happy, somebody's going to be unhappy, and you try to do what is best for everybody. Do you have a favorite saint or Catholic figure? Uh, well, you know, St. Joseph, obviously, because being in the building trade and so on, uh, I very much you know, identify with him. So mm-hmm. yeah, he's my favorite saint too. Right. Well, with a name like Joe, what can I say? Yeah, and, absolutely. And our engineer today is also another Joe. Joe, my Murphy. friends, my friends always say I, you know, should identify, identify with St. John the Baptist because his head was chopped off and people <laughs> see it like that. So. Yeah. Uh, how about that? That's a, I never thought of, and, and people that are, that are in politics, that's. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Is there a, a number one takeaway that you'd like to leave our listeners with? Because we're going to run out of time here. Yeah, you know, I just, you know, we're in a very challenging world right now as people of faith. And you see all the negativity out there. And, you know, it's almost, I mean, we've heard this term culture of death and, you know, the entertainment that we have out there, not only musically, uh, but 
in the movies and uh, everything else is just violent, violence, violence. And I just try to encourage people to practice their faith, you know, whatever the faith is, not only Catholics. I mean, we all have our perspective, but most faiths, you know, preach tolerance and respect to people. And we have to engage. I mean, we are be- we are not becoming, we are a minority in the country now. And I try to, you know, openly speak about my faith. I encourage people to do that in a respectful way. I mean, there's no need to get into, you know, Twitter battles or Facebook battles. That's not helpful at all. But if you live your life and um, in a way that reflects our values and the teachings of Jesus, I think that's the best way to reach people. I don't know if you follow me on Twitter or whatever. It's I only have a Senate Twitter account. I have no other social media personally. My mm-hmm. wife and I just don't get it. But whenever I do something faith-filled, you know, whether it's church or whatever, I tweet about it to mm-hmm. let people know that I'm out there doing this stuff. And, and I think that's the biggest takeaway for everybody. You have to be out there practicing your faith in a positive manner. Yeah, I think that helps other people. When they see people like you that aren't afraid to show your faith, mm-hmm. that's going to give other people uh, a, a little bit more uh, encouragement to show their faith in their work. I know that's one of those things that's hard for particularly men to do in their jobs, to, to show the fact that they are faithful Catholic. I mean, it's a tough thing for men Absolutely. to do. Absolutely. And I get uh, letters and calls from people that see me at different events, and, and they appreciate me being at those events, being out front. And I think it does give them uh, uh, solace to know that there's some leaders up there that are still faith-filled trying to do the right thing. And whenever I get those uh, contacts from people, whether it's email, handwritten notes, whatever, I always reply to them because I think it's important that they understand that I got their message, I got their prayers, and I'll continue to do the work to try to move our faith forward and help the country. Well, what you do is very important. I want to thank you for being a guest here today on Holy Family Radio, Senator John DeSanto. Uh, what district you're, you're Pennsylvania? I'm the, Senate, Senate. the 15th Senatorial District, which okay. is most of Dauphin County now. I, for, I forgot Redistricted. I used to have Perry County, mm-hmm. but now it's most of Dauphin County. Well, thank you for being a guest here on Central Pennsylvania Voice. Thank you for listening. Listen to our next Central Pennsylvania Voices. Mm-hmm.